Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyperfocus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy-to-access, self-guided, and self-paced course so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called, Hey, it's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. Hello, and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I am your host, Katie Weber, and this is the first episode. I'm so excited to be interviewing Holly Marsh Mueller. Holly is a maker and an illustrator who lives in Astoria, Oregon with her husband and her two boys who are also neurodivergent. In fact, it was while seeking a diagnosis for her youngest son that Holly discovered her own ADHD which is not at all uncommon for mothers like us. We talk about her diagnosis and how this has reframed her understanding of her own creativity throughout her life and also her work ethic. Holly is also currently in treatment for breast cancer and hopes to be done with that dang targeted chemo by the springtime. All right, so sit back and enjoy this riveting conversation between two women who each discovered this year that they have ADHD and what that means to them. All right. So you're my first interview and I'm super mm-hmm. excited because I feel like my daughter and I, like it took us like five minutes to fall in love with you when we started Aww. looking on your website. Um, and so I, I really want to talk about your business and all of the amazing stuff you're doing. But I also, first of all, I want to talk about your ADHD diagnosis, because you were also very recently diagnosed, correct? Correct. It was this summer. Wow. Um, so, okay. So walk me through what, what, first of all, what made you think you might have it? Did somebody tell you or like, you know, what made you think that you wanted to get the diagnosis? What, what led up to getting that diagnosis for you? Well, um, what led me to getting my diagnosis was um, my youngest child, we, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, had him assessed for autism because our oldest is on the spectrum. And I know a lot of autistics don't like to identify themselves as, um, you know, if they're high functioning or low functioning, just because there's a whole gamut of problems with that. But he is, you know, fairly high functioning but he is autistic and we've noticed similar traits in our youngest. And we really wanted to set him up for success when entering school because we found that early intervention was just huge for my oldest. And um, so we got him screened and we knew that 
you know, a sibling with autism, you know, has a higher percentage of also being autistic as well. So we got him screened and they said at the time they were said, no, he's not necessarily autistic, but um, he does have ADHD tendencies. And I was like, oh, okay. So then, you know, not necessarily seeking a diagnosis for my child. We just kind of let it be, gave it some time, listened to a lot of his educators on, you know, the things that he's doing that seem neurotypical, the things that he's doing that aren't neurotypical. And, um, you know, I did a lot of research and after a while, it was actually a Reddit thread (laughs) that I came across that was, I think it's r slash ADHD. Yep. I'm there. Yeah, and I read. You know what I love? Can I just say what yeah, I love about that? What I love about that subreddit is there are a million followers on that subreddit, and yet not a lot of activity. And when I first joined it, I was like, "Huh, that's interesting that it's not mm-hmm. as active." And I was like, "Oh, right, of course, because ADHD." <laughs> <laughs> I know. I keep forgetting that I'm on that subreddit as well, which is oddly fitting. So, but yeah, I, I went onto there. I went onto there, and there was one thread in particular, and I can't remember. Yeah, I can't even remember if I saved it, but I was like, oh my goodness, it's like they took a crowbar to my brain, looked inside and wrote everything down. What was happening? It was like my brain. And so then I kind of went down this rabbit hole. I started, you know, finding, you know, the the YouTube channel, How to ADHD. I love her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, yeah, it's so funny. I felt all of my life that I was different, but then I was like, oh, everyone probably thinks that about themselves. Everyone, you know, everyone is different, but I always felt like I was still different. And um, finding out more and more about ADHD and talking to the people who have ADHD, regardless of when they've been diagnosed or if they've been diagnosed at all, I was like, I have found my my brains, my people. You know, I think there is, I think I don't know if it's just always growing up feeling like, you know, I know I'm intelligent, but I think there's something different. There's, you know, I just feel like, I think I heard it on a podcast once somebody say like, it felt like everybody else got the manual and I didn't, you know? Yes. (laughs) And, And so I think there is something really just like, um, necessary to, that feeling recognized, you know, like I think it becomes mm-hmm. part of you, your essential being, you know, like mm-hmm. needing to feel recognized um, and needing to feel like you are okay. And so when you find your people, like when you find out that, oh my God, this is the explanation for everything mm-hmm. <laughs> for as long as I can remember it, you know, I think it is super important to us. Uh, and I, you know, what I've noticed since also, you know, having that same similar experience, being diagnosed, joining a lot of these Facebook groups, following all these subreddits, doing like a hyper-focused deep dive. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, I'm like, it's so meta because now I'm like, oh, right, this is what I do. I hyper-focus and I deep uh-huh. dive. It's the <laughs> so new it's like, hyper-focus. What did you know, leave behind? Right? <laughs> it's like the most meta deep dive ever to, to deep dive into ADHD. But like, yeah, I think there is something so... I guess, you know, necessary for lack of a better word of just needing to feel like, oh, this is, I finally figured this out and this is where I belong. Right. Well, and and I think that the majority of people on this planet are, you know, have good intentions, try to be a good person and try to improve themselves. And if you kind of don't know how to improve yourself or, you know, why you do something, you just kind of always did, this is just who you are. But that there are some things that, you know, through life, that you've actually developed as a coping, a coping mechanism. And that's exactly what I have done all of my life was I have coping mechanisms that I've developed and Mm kind of coming to terms with those of like, okay, are those actually, you know, good coping mechanisms that, you know, (laughs) are in a healthy way that help me be productive, you know, keep, keep me at my mental wits (laughs) and, or is it like a more destructive you know, coping mechanism that I could probably, you know, explore a more healthier option. Or, or at least you can, you can, um, explain to yourself why you used that coping mechanism for so long. Yes. <laughs> that so too. About it. <laughs> exactly. So now, okay. So you're having this like awareness of, of kind of looking as I, as I like to put it, just like looking over my whole life, 
really from middle school on with this new lens and feeling like I was, I'm just turning over stone after stone after stone thinking like, Oh yeah. Like what are some things that really stick out to you uh, about your past, about growing up where you look back and say, Oh my God, of course that was the ADHD. And I had, I never knew. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, it's so funny that you mentioned that like kind of, you know, snippets of time, especially in school of like looking back and you're like, oh man, that was totally ADHD. Well, so um, side note, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. So already I was kind of different in school anyway. I'm not now, but I was. And so um, I feel like that also was an additional masking layer of this. Cause I think that if, had I not been um, in that religion at the time, I don't know, maybe we would have explored it, but so I was already kind of an outcast. Mm-hmm. However, um, I use that creativity and that thinking out of the box and that kind of strive to not conform <laughs> to my advantage. Like if we had a holiday craft in class, instead of excusing myself and going to the library, I'd use those same materials to make an alien instead of a Santa Claus. And <laughs> that way I was still able to participate, but I didn't have to do it that way. And so having that creative freedom was really great because I know that in the school setting, sometimes that isn't always the case. Um, Another example was, well, it was actually every year. My mom would remind me that after the first day of school, I would come home in tears, in absolute tears. And it wasn't because school was bad or I had people being mean to me. Um, It was just because it was all so new and so overwhelming Mm -hmm. that I just couldn't handle it. And it happened every year. And so knowing that, I kind of became, I developed a coping mechanism for that. Knowing if I'm going into something new, like new job or, um, you know, something where in a a single sitting or a day, I'm going to be having, you know, a ton of information thrown at me that I, yes, I'm going to have a period after that where I'm just going to need to not do anything and just to rest and just sit with it. Transitioning is is difficult for someone with ADHD, right? I'm I'm trying yes. to remember and, and autistics too. So we in our house, and especially with my youngest who um, is probably pre ADHD, and then they reevaluated him, and he might be also autistic. But <laughs> you know, transitions, especially for him right now, are really hard, especially with remote learning. It's been oh, challenging. Yeah. Um, yes, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, so how old are your children? You have two boys? I do. They have two boys. Uh, one is nine and one is five. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So that is really young for um, an ADHD diagnosis, right? But Yeah, well, and that's the thing is they said that he's like kind of pre-ADHD and that they don't typically, um, you know, diagnose, diagnose until they're about six or older. So they just said, you know, keep an eye on it. And so I was like, okay, I'll use this time to start researching. And oh my God, it's my brain too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know the, um, my son is nine and I also have a 13 year old daughter and I definitely, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny. My daughter says, um, since, since my diagnosis, she rolls her eyes because she's like, when mom has ADHD, everyone has ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm, not only evaluating my own life, but I'm also evaluating the life of my partner and my children and everything they do and trying to label it as whether or not these are tendencies. Um, and, but so much of my own research, um, or at least some, you know, my own awareness of, of pursuing a diagnosis for myself was because my son and remote learning and he and I both just imploded. Oh no. And, you know, but in, in, in ways in which we just really had to like, okay, this is what works. This is what doesn't me sort of realizing that I didn't know a lot about how he operated and how he processed information because he was in school all day, you know? So Mm -hmm. I wasn't really paying much attention to what he was struggling with. And I think he was, and he probably had educators who were used to it and able to kind of roll with the punches instead of kind of pulling you aside and being like, Hey, you might get him screened for this, which, um, we, that's what happened with our, with my oldest is our preschool was like, Hey, you should get him screened for this. And I was really grateful for that because, you know, the teachers see a whole lot more kids than we do. And again, with your son, he might have had like developed some coping mechanisms to kind of mask it and just to manage to like, you know, get through just fine. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of his major motivating factors is to please his teacher and to mm-hmm. really kind of fit in. I can and, really. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And so I think without having his teacher there and only having me and this kind of like looming specter of the teacher somewhere in the background. Yeah. I, I, you know, I wasn't enough of, you know, structure or accountability for him. And I think that was where it all kind of like his handwriting, you know, there's some basic, basic um, organizational skills all just sort of really fell apart. I mean, he was only in the third grade, so he's in fourth right. now and we're doing yeah, much that's, better. My oldest is in fourth too. And then, yeah, but I, I, I noticed some tendencies in him too, almost to the point where I'm like, oh, should I have him looked at too for this? Just because I noticed so many tendencies and I've noticed more of a kind of a scatterbrained um, tendency actually among everyone. And I don't know if that's a side effect of the pandemic and just being home all the time or, um, you know, something else, but I know that you mentioned something about, you know, trying to label it. And I think that that's really important because, um, and I know that, you know, autism is a little different, but sometimes it can be a comorbidity. You know, we debated on whether we wanted to, you know, label my oldest as autistic of, oh, what's going to happen if we do that? But <laughs> basically what it came down to was if we didn't label it, then we weren't going to get assistance as in services for him. Yeah. So we just said, all right, we're going to label it. We're going to move on. And honestly, it's been really great. Uh, we haven't really noticed much of, you know, the community being like, oh, there's that autistic kid. So thankfully, everyone's been really supportive really accommodating and it's just been great. Yeah. You know, that's something my husband and I have sort of been having these ongoing conversations as I, as I learn more and more about ADHD, but again, sort of Mm -hmm. talk about how important it is to have my son diagnosed if, if necessary. And Um, you know, he sort of falls in that category of like, oh, there's the stigma. I don't know if this is going to help or hinder having this diagnosis. And, and, and I come from the side of like, oh my God, it would change everything. Like if I could go back and relive my life knowing that I had this, you know, (laughs) and that I could label it and that I could figure Mm -hmm. out, okay, so now these are what these hacks are and not just sort of feel like you're always kind of fumbling around in the dark. Yeah, uh, and but I also look at ADHD as something so incredibly powerful, and you know mm-hmm. I also credit it with so many of my uh, achievements. You know that oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think Great it's to- wonderful. I think a lot of the stigma comes from outside. With, yes. with I guess with any diagnosis, so much of the stigma comes from people who have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine it's the same with autism as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, everyone imagines, and again, if their brain imagines things in pictures like mine does, and I didn't realize that not everyone is like that. And it blew my, like blew my mind a while back. But I imagine, you know, that the stereotype of ADHD is some, you know, grade school boy bouncing off the walls and not being able to kind of like sit still. And that's so not the case. I mean, this is a Oh, what, I, what am I trying to say? Your brain is just wired a little differently. And there's so many mm-hmm. facets to that that don't mean, you know, everyone is cookie cutter about how they express that. Oh, absolutely. I think that was one thing. I mean, my therapist, my therapist has ADHD and she's been telling me for years that I should get it checked out. But I, you know, my biggest, um, my biggest hindrance was thinking about the fact that I was like, well, I've I've never been hyperactive. My issue is that I have this kind of pendulum where I'm really, really super interested and super motivated. And then I will spend weeks literally lying on the couch, staring out the window. And then looking at your schedule that's growing and then getting stressed about it and then not doing anything. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So I, you know, I was like, that doesn't sound like hyperactivity to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions for sure. Kind of why I'm, I'm glad that so your therapist like seeked it out. Um, I saw a therapist early last year and and then this is when I was thinking I had possible ADHD. Um, and she was like, no, I think you have OCD and just like mm. would not. And every time I tried to bring the subject back up, she just would kind of shut it back down. And I didn't really feel supported to be like, can we explore this? And so, um, I eventually left that therapist and I still haven't managed to find another one um, just because at the time I was like the cost, it was my, my insurance was awful about it. And so, um, yeah, this year was a different story, but yeah, it's, it's great to have a really supportive therapist that can kind of help nudge you in that direction for you to t- kind of self do some self-discovery. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think 
we struggle a lot with people saying, um, oh, everybody has that trait, you know, or, you know, everybody struggles with these things and on some, to some degree. And, right. and then again, it sort of reinforces this feeling of like being misunderstood or feeling mm-hmm. like you're crazy and maybe you're making this all up and maybe this is not you, you know, like always feeling like everybody else understands something and you don't. Right. And well, I think that also um, it's, it's really easy to go down that mentality of, oh, well, they're just downplaying it. They're minimizing it. And in some cases, some people might be doing that where they're like, eh, you're fine. Um, But in other cases, they may be just trying to relate in some way, even though they're not, even though they're neurotypical, you know, they might be like, hey, oh, I have that trait too. If they're um, saying it that way, then it might be a little bit different that they're just trying to relate and they don't know what else to say. But yeah, sometimes people say it and it's just, you tend to really take it to heart of like, oh, they're just downplaying what I'm going through and they have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. That's a much more gracious way of looking at it. I will will (laughs) try that on. (laughs) I've had that. uh, We've had a lot of people um, when, when talking about my oldest diagnosis that they'll talk about, you know, little things here and there. And I, and I just have to reframe it. Um, And that's, that's been a big, um, recent coping mechanism for me that I didn't realize was ADHD related is just kind of trying to reframe my thinking about things of, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of really taking it personally, I'm trying to, you know, be like, okay, well, where do you think that they're coming from? Um, Like recently I had a friend who, you know, offered some unsolicited advice, which a, I don't like unsolicited advice, even though I tend to also do that. And so I'm trying to be mindful of of doing that. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then she was, you know, she tried to push further and I wasn't ready for it. And I took it really personally. And it, I, I stewed with it for like the rest of the night of just like, why did she do that? So then I actually posted about it in one of the ADHD groups I'm in. And I was like, I don't, it, would, would you guys react the same way? And a lot of them were like, yeah. And then someone popped in and said, hey, you know, you could reframe thinking about this in the fact that, you know, she's coming from a place of support and she's just excited to share, you know, this nugget with you because she's learned from you and da, 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 da. So I, and when she mentioned that, I was like, oh, I could reframe it that way. And I am, and knowing this friend, she probably is coming from a really good spot and Mm -hmm. I appreciated it more. And I would kind of, you know, stood down and kind of chilled out a little more. That's awesome. I love that. I think it's really (laughs) difficult for us to really slow down, especially when it comes to thought snowballs. Yeah. Right. Right. And then you bring the emotion into it and then, yeah, you just have to, it takes a lot of practice. So now are you on any kind of medication for ADHD? Have you dabbled in that yet? How is that? Uh, Yep. That's what I'm going through right now. Um, I am uh, currently on Adderall, Although when I got my first bottle, it said amphetamine salts. And I was like, what is this? And so I had to do some Googling and realize that, no, it's okay. It's not meth. I know that that's a a common misconception for people. It's not meth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, we're still, I don't know, we're still toying with the dosage. I keep increasing it. And um, I don't know. And now I'm kind of rethinking, well, maybe we should try a different medication just because I've had some, I've actually had other friends get recently diagnosed. I think this pandemic has really pushed a lot of folks over the edge of, all right, my brain cannot handle all of this. What is going on? Um, yeah, I, I've heard that somewhere and I can't remember where it must. I mean, I've just been doing so much research mm-hmm. in so many different places over the last month or two. And so it's like, I can't even remember where I'm hearing it, but I, I, I do know, remember same. hearing it, right? I think yeah. it was a TikTok video, somebody talking about the fact <laughs> that the, the pandemic has brought, has like um, brought out a lot of diagnoses, especially in w- middle-aged women and or right. mothers, you know, who had, you know, were barely just keeping it together beforehand. Yeah. And, and now it's like this is remote learning threshold. and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which doesn't surprise me at all. Right. And so that that friend who talked about, um, you know, getting on medication, she noticed, and and a few other people too, have have just expressed this like, whoa, um, experience from being on medication. And I'm just like, I kind of haven't had that yet. And I don't know if it's just because my situation in life and daily and, you know, daily life is a little more chaotic, no matter what medication I'm on, Mm -hmm. or if I'm just on the wrong meds. But yeah, it's, I think a lot of, 
a lot of people might be like, oh, well, now everyone's getting diagnosed with ADHD. But I don't think that's really the case. It, it's kind of like when autism was really getting diagnosed a lot more often, people were like, it's an epidemic. And it's like, no, yeah. I think we're just getting better at spotting it and screening right. people. And Absolutely. and like you said, with middle-aged women, you know, we are the, I mean, and our, you know, our, our mothers and the women before us, you know, all of us were under the radar for so long. Yeah. The, um, I know I haven't really pursued medication yet. I mean, just my reasoning is mostly because I spent so many years on and off of various cocktails of antidepressants because of depression oh, yes. and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I weaned myself off of them in January. <laughs> just like, oh my goodness. Do you think a worse <laughs> time to suddenly be like, finally, after a decade, I'm weaning myself off of any wow. person. I'm going to do 2020 is my year. And, uh, and oh. then uh, March came along, but I really like, I didn't, I felt okay. You know, like there's mm-hmm. been no point during this year where I felt like things were so bad that I wanted to go back on them. And that's good. And, right. And so I almost now with this new lens of ADHD, I'm sort of feeling like, okay, so what I was on Wellbutrin, which is dopamine. So I was like, that was one, I was on that. And then I was also on Selexa and SSRI. So I was like, well, maybe, you know, I should try going back onto something, but also feeling like, um, I can't, like, I, I have to kind of understand what the medications are doing for people, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm hearing a lot of people saying they're life changing, but I'm not able to kind of like internalize for myself what that's going to look like for me. And, yeah. And again, I feel like I've also spent the last 45 years coming up with hacks for my mm-hmm. own life, you know, and ter- like, I, you know, I hear about like, um, exercise in the morning. I'm like, yep, check, you know, be outside mm-hmm. of nature. Yeah. Got that. You know, like a lot of the things that I'm realizing, I just sort of intuitively came to, yeah. Um, I was, I did a lot of running and I was doing a lot of walking. Um, I was getting back into running, uh, in the spring and then all of a sudden the kids are at home 24 seven and it's really hard yeah. to duck out when your husband works full time to just be like, I'm going to go on a run. Um, I already have a gazillion doctor's appointments and I was going to say, I want to talk about that as well. Yeah. So the, actually, I mean, you know, pursuing a diagnosis this particular year, how very 2020 of me, but, um, <laughs> In uh, the fall of last year, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I went through all sorts of treatment. I had really a chemo cocktail of four different drugs and it made me lose my hair. It made me really sick. Um, I'm really thankful we, we weren't in a pandemic at that point because um, my parents, my step parents and my in-laws all did three week rotations where they would come in slightly after I had my infusion and come help my husband take care of the kids. Uh-huh. Um, it was they were it was a godsend having that help, and I can't imagine going through that kind of a hefty treatment right now. And so, um, but yeah, we got through it. My hair's growing back. <laughs> um, I ended up having to stop short because my heart was having some problems with the medication. So then we took a break, and then I had surgery in January, and then. Um, I was in, I was almost done with radiation when everything kind of started pausing because of the pandemic, but I was still having to go to the cancer center every day to get my zaps for, for radiation. And I was going for walks every day. Like I was, I would spend, you know, 30 minutes to an hour with a great podcast and do a really brisk walk. And I felt like I was really gaining a lot of, you know, on the right path to get my strength back from, you know, going from being a runner to like a slug over the fall. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was hard and, and, you know, I was like, okay, well this summer I managed to get a referral from my general practitioner. We actually have an adult ADHD clinic in Portland and they were able to do a telehealth appointment. And I was like, well, I hit my out-of-pocket maximum in January because of surgery and everything. So let's just do it. And, um, I'm really a fan of, you know, some sort of better, you know, a, insurance or Medicare for all or whatever we end up rolling out with, just because I know that that's a barrier for so many people of, oh, well, I really want to get a diagnosis, but going to this clinic, you know, they don't take my insurance or they're out of network and it's going to be a gazillion dollars. So it's not worth it. And then there's a whole other facet with medication. So yeah, short story, uh, you know, in a nutshell, I think everyone should be able to, you know, have access to that and not have it, you know, have them lose their shirt for it. Preach. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm still, um, I mean, I'm still in treatment. Like I still have chemo every three weeks, but it's not the hefty chemo. It just kind of makes me tired and kind of feel blah, um, yeah. just for a few days. But then I bounce back up and my energy levels are like so much higher. And having that huge dip made me, it did, I don't know. It did two, it did two things. Um, one of them was made me realize just how much energy I do have and it's great, but then it's also like, okay, I have to do something with it. And then the other facet is kind of remembering how I was when I wasn't working because I took a break and even for my business too. And, you know, when the kids were at school, I had a lot of downtime to just kind of be with myself and just sit with it and heal and rest. And I am taking that as a life lesson in that I need to continue, you know, scheduling in that rest throughout mm. my day. Yeah, I think that's a that's quite a, a delicate dance for mm-hmm. with ADHD too, which is like downtime can be really self-destructive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but rest is important and and I think it's it's really about structuring, formalizing your sense of rest so that it doesn't feel chaotic and it doesn't feel um you know, I tend to spiral into you know when I have not enough to do, I tend to spiral into mm-hmm. a sense of like worthlessness. Um, but at the same time, you know, realizing that burnout is also really quick and easy. Oh, and and yeah, and I was at burnout stage for a few years before my diagnosis, and you know, I'm always looking for the silver linings, and that was definitely a silver lining of this. Was I was burnt out, and Mama needed a break, and. <sighs> I was kind of forced into it and because, you know, I wasn't in a good health to do all of the craft shows I do during the holidays or do all this crazy selling that I normally do and all this making. I'll, I do. I usually do like tons of sewing around this time of year and I just, I didn't have to do it and it was really kind of nice. And so, but yeah, I have to, I always have to kind of hack my own relaxation just because me sitting in front of the TV equals I'm like editing photos or updating product listings, like kind of mindless things. And I can't, or, um, so I have to figure out other things I can do. Like if I'm sitting in front of the TV, doing some embroidery really helps because then I'm still working with my hands, but I'm still able to pay attention to the show and putting on closed captions helps because then I'm forced to kind of watch it and read, (laughs) read the captions. And plus my hearing is shot. So that helps. Or um, taking a bath because I don't like bringing my phone into the bath. So I'm forced to bring like a bona fide book and maybe a cider. And I'm kind of like forced to do that relaxation. So I think that it's about kind of figuring out how you can regenerate, you know, how you can rest and regenerate some of that energy and kind of like figure out hacks to where you can't cheat. Otherwise, I'd be sitting in a bath like scrolling on Instagram, which isn't relaxing. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their GoHenry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. Again, that's GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. All right. So you, so you were talking a bit about your craft shows, which I feel like is a beautiful segue into uh, Marsh Mueller and, and what you do as a business. And you're doing, it, it sounds like you're doing all sorts of wonderful things, helping others with mentoring and um, freelancing. So um, yeah, tell me That's about all- um, yeah, what you do. Well, so um, my business is called Marshmuller, and it's actually a mashup between my married and my maiden names, and it sounds like Marshmallow. And uh, my husband and I didn't realize the gloriousness of that name until we were already two years married and too cheap to spend the money to change the name. So <laughs> it ended up because you know my my maiden my actual married name is just Marsh, 
but it became the business name because it was just kind of funny and it was different. And I felt like it wasn't something like such and such designs, or I wasn't pigeon pigeonholing myself into a business name to where I knew down the road, it would probably morph into something else. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of exactly what it did. I mean, I started out making exclusively baby items, sewing them, um, because I had a really colicky baby. And Mm -hmm. when I was on maternity leave from being a buyer for a national retailer, I channeled all of that frustration and that sleep deprivation into like creating a really good tight fitting boppy cover, which is a nursing pillow for folks who don't know. Uh, Oh yeah. Okay. I was like, I was so excited when I saw those and also sad (laughs) because my nursing days are, are long gone, but like, I would, I love the boppy covers. I think that's brilliant. I I really wanted to make them really nice. I haven't seen yeah. any of those around and they're so, I mean, your fabric choices are just phenomenal. Thank you. Oh, you do you do any of your own fabric making? Like do you screen print? Or? No, I don't do any of that. I, I curate. Mo- so most of the, the products are curated by me and I used to be a fabric buyer um, for one of the, like a really huge fabric store in Portland called Fabric Depot. May they rest in peace, <laughs> but it was so great. And I, it really kind of helped hone my, my skills as a, um, a fabric buyer, but also, you know, I got to know folks in the industry and different manufacturers. And so, yeah, I'm really, really picky. I really like a lot of bright kind of quirky fabrics. Um, cause I don't want everything to be all like pastel and baby cause it's just not my style. And I know that that's not, you know, everyone's style, but yeah, with the boppy, it was crazy. Like I was determined to make a cover that works because all of the patterns out there had the zipper, like running halfway through the pillow, and yes. I was like, that's, I was like, that's not even reversible. What is happening? And I wanted yeah. piping around the edges. Cause I was like, that's fancy. And so, yeah, it took me a while to get it at right it at three in the morning. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I'm actually kind of um, pivoting away from boppy covers just because, um, you know, selling them has been, it's been kind of a slow selling item recently. And I think it's just because the market for, at least on Etsy. I'm not on Etsy anymore. I might bring it back. I don't know. <laughs> is uh, really, really saturated. And so yeah. with the price that I've set for it based on, you know, my time and materials and everything, it's just, it's hard to compete. But so yeah, I've continued to pivot based on my own needs as a parent. Um, you know, I, then I developed like bibs and I wanted them to have snaps because Velcro is terrible in the washer and dryer. And, you know, once kids realize they can just pull their bib off with the Velcro. It's all over. Oh, I know. <laughs> and um, yeah. And then, you know, I started to kind of morph my product line into more like kid and grown up items like zipper pouches. And I make reusable snack bags. And uh, that came about when my son started kindergarten. And I was like, I am going through so many Ziploc baggies. I, it was just insane when I would go make his lunch. So many baggies, so much plastic. Um, so I developed a snack bag that you can not only hand wash, but you can also throw it in the washer and the dryer. And I've even had customers throw theirs in the dishwasher and it's been fine. Really? Yeah. That's always been, that was always my, my issue. I have so many reusable bags and then they just like end up in a pile to be laundered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, you know, there's another week or two of yep. actually into the laundry yeah. Um, so and we, we've used that. ours, we've used ours for years. Um, and I just, most of the time I'll hand wash it just because it's really quick to turn it inside out and just give it a good scrub and rinse and just let it dry. Um, but then, you know, over time in that kid's lunchbox over and over, it starts to get kind of grody on the outside. So then that's why I just pop it in with my towels. Cause if I, again, yeah. if I had a separate pile for them, they'd never get washed just because I'd be like, there's not enough of them to make a load. <laughs> so, so maybe I am a little OCD about that, but no, I just throw it in with, t- with the towels and then they're fine. Awesome. I know. I'm very excited. I've already ordered some. I know. Um, thank you. They're on their way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I have to say the dumpster fire DIY plushie is like the <laughs> ultimate uh, 2020 gift. That's so wonderful. And is it's that been, your own illustration? It is. Yeah. So, um, I used to illustrate a lot in high school. In fact, I was the editorial illustrator for my school newspaper. Um, uh, Sometimes they were fine. And other times I had controversy. Like there was one time where we had some, and I mean, I grew up in a real small rural town. 
And we actually had some kids who thought they were cool by having Confederate flags on their truck. And keep in mind, this is the Pacific Northwest. So there's that. Um, So my editor at the time wrote a piece about him in a really tongue-in-cheek kind of way. And I drew up the illustration of a Grinch wearing the Confederate flag as a as a shirt. And it went crazy. Like the majority of the school was like, yes, I'm finally, I'm so glad you guys are talking about this and bringing them down. And then of course there's a small portion of people who were like, how dare you? But yeah, so (laughs) my illustration style is more cartoony and I've done it since high school, but I've taken a really long break. And, um, you know, a few years ago I got an iPad pro and and an Apple pencil. And for some reason having that portability and, instead of having a gazillion notebooks, which is, you know, my forte is having a gazillion notebooks, this kind of kept everything all together. And I, that was just automatic organization I didn't have to think about. And, um, you know, I just kept working at it over and over the years. And, you know, with, you know, being in cancer treatment, I had a lot of downtime. So I've really honed my skills. And this year, Spoonflower had a, um, they're a company that prints custom fabric they have a design challenge. In fact, they have one every week that you can go vote on or enter. And the challenge that time was for a cut and sew fat quarter. And for those at home listening who don't know what a fat quarter is, it's basically like a half of yard, but cut the other direction so that you get kind of more um, real estate to work with versus like a half yard. So um, they wanted a cut and sew panel made out of a fat quarter. And I thought, you know... This is the time to do it. I'm going to make myself a dumpster fire plushie because I thought it was hilarious and very 2020. And even, you know, not even just beyond 2020, like, you know, like I keep telling people, this is an even my worst year. Like last year was definitely it. But, um, you know, I didn't want to put 2020 on it because, you know, it's not like we're going to wave a magic wand in 2021 and it's going to magically go away as of January. Know, right? Yeah. So I'm <laughs> exactly. like, nope, this is going to be timeless. So I made it as a fat quarter and I entered it into the competition and it went crazy. Um, I won fifth place, which was just huge for me just because, yeah. I mean, I'd never, I've always wanted to enter into their contests and I never did until now. And now um, I have it on my uh, site as a DIY kit where uh, I have added some embroidery floss and you don't even need to have a sewing machine. You can just do it with a hand needle. And um, I filmed a YouTube video for it, but I need to stitch it all together. And I got hung up again, a very ADHD thing. I got hung up on the music. I was like, I have to pick the right music. So now that I've you know gone through them and made a list, I need to do that further. But you know, <laughs> you know how it goes. Uh, yeah. My kids decided they wanted to write a book uh, as a gift for my husband and myself for Christmas. And of course, they decide before they're even writing the book, they decide they want to design the cover. And so they set up a Canva account. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so ADHD. (laughs) Right? Oh, my goodness. I love that so much. That's so cute. I know. They're adorable. Yeah. (laughs) I'm currently making Among Us plushies for my kids because, (gasps) yeah. Are you going to sell them or or these are just for your that well, I mean, I might do my own. I actually haven't played the game. I'd probably, I'm, I'm a weird like that. I really like to be really involved in it before I do anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, I probably have to play it. Um, I've downloaded it. I haven't played it yet, but my kids play it all the time. And, yeah. um, so they drew a bunch of Among Us guys. And what I did, what I've been doing, and this is my project, my hyper focus for today is, um, I took a picture of all of them because I made them draw front and back. Because I was like, that's how I did it with the dumpster fire. You're going to draw it front and back. And so I've taken photos of all of those. And then I'm just kind of tracing over them in my iPad. And then I'm just going to arrange them on a yard of, you know, a, a file about the size of a yard of minky. And then I'm just going to get them printed at Spoonflower and then we'll make them. So now, I, I mean, one thing I love about your site was like your light box and your newsletter. I mean, everything just has such a lovely sense of humor to it. And- <laughs> Um, it's just, I feel like you've just added such a nice touch to everything. There's nothing feels boring or corporate. So thank you very much. um, That means a lot. I've worked really hard on my, my own brand. Um, I rebranded about three years ago and I did it myself, which most of the time I don't recommend. (laughs) Um, I actually freelance for an agency that does branding and Shopify websites and they're phenomenal. Their name is AO Lydia and it's woman owned. And, um, 
we work with a lot of people of color and um, black women and we have a couple of guys and they're great. But yeah, it's a really great agency and I've learned a ton from them. And so I think after working there for a year as a project manager, um, I ended up stepping away from my health, but um, I kind of knew enough to be like, all right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to rebrand my, my brand. Mm-hmm. And I did that and I wanted it to have a lot of personality and I've worked really hard on my voice and tone. And in fact, I'm running an AB test on my website pop-up that, um, again, I have it on a delay because I hate it when website pop-ups happen immediately, especially if it's a, you know, a site you haven't been to before. And I'm doing an AB test on the pop-up. One of them says, you know, like join, you know, join the club for, you know, blah, 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 typical marketing language. And then the second one is it's the annoying email pop-up and not surprisingly, that is the one that's having the most success. Of course. you know, I think poking fun at all of these, you know, optimization things that a lot of people do. Uh, sometimes I think it's, it's fine to poke fun at it, especially if your brand is, it, you know, it, it fits it, you know? Oh, absolutely. And that's the one thing that I think with, since diagno- being diagnosed, I've really been able to kind of reevaluate my own uh, history with my career, you know, and thinking like, you know, you've used the word pivot a couple times. And like, I look at pivot as a positive thing now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, realizing like, I can't do anything for more than two years, I really need to like rebrand, yeah. I really need to like, go in a new direction. And that's okay. Like, that's mm-hmm. exciting for me. And that's a strength. Whereas I used to always look at that as like, I can't hold a job for longer than two years, because usually I'll have some sort of explosive moment where I quit. Um, or I just, you know, it, I'm no longer interested and and, right. and and need to move on. And I always looked at that as such a failure. And um, now, you know, really look at that as as one of my strengths and something I can lean into, you know. You reframed it. I love it. Well, right? <laughs> and it's funny because I sort of was talking about this the other day. Um, you know, rather than looking at, you know, I look at my life now as really being able to kind of lean into these strengths as opposed mm-hmm. to looking at, the things I had done, quote unquote, right, as momentary lapses in, in failure, (laughs) right? like always sort of feeling like the overarching narrative was failure, but I would have these momentary, you know, I'd be like, Oh, but then I wrote a book or, you know, like I do these things that seem like um, an anomaly in a, in a Mm -hmm. larger narrative of failure. And now I'm like, everything has changed and everything is different. And it's not at all like, you know, it does wonders yeah. for your self-confidence, doesn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. Cause, yeah, because I mean, when I was a buyer, like when I was a buyer, like, well, okay, I was an assistant buyer. I hadn't quite made it to buyer yet. And I struggled. Like I had a really hard time in the corporate world. I mean, I was late all the time. And of course, for some reason, having kids made me way more punctual. It's bizarre. I don't know what happened. And I don't know, maybe it's that skill of a buyer of having to work backward from like, okay, well, if I need this in the store by Christmas, I have to buy this at this time. It has to be in the warehouse. You know, you have to work backward. And so maybe just developing that backward, you know, calculation skill made me better about being punctual or maybe it was kids or a combination of both. I don't know. But I was late all the time and they didn't like it. Well, some people did. Other people were like, eh, she's fine. Because when she gets up and running, she can run circles around all, you know, all these people. And I felt like I could do my job in less than 40 hours. And I just didn't need, I felt like I didn't need to be there 40 hours. I thought it was a stupid game and I didn't appreciate it. (laughs) And I thought that it was just me. And I didn't realize it was an ADHD thing that like, you know, that, you know, authority, you know, brushing up against authority and rules and stuff like that. And, and even when I worked as a product, as a project manager at the agency, like I had a really hard time, especially with the more and more projects that I got. And, um, I ended up like having to have conversations with the higher ups and it was really hard because I'd never had to deal with that before of, Hey, you're not meeting our expectations. And it was jarring for me because I had never, like, I'm again, like, like your son, I'm a people pleaser. And having that happen, I was like devastated. I was like, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. But little did I know, oh yeah, let's give an ADHD person a whole bunch of projects to switch between and a bunch of clients and other things to hyper-focus on per project. And it's like a recipe for disaster. (laughs) So they've since hired a bona fide project manager and she is amazing. And now I'm back as a freelancer helping with Shopify and um, email marketing. And it's just perfect for me because I can, you know, work as many hours as I can um, per week. So I have that flexibility, especially among remote learning 
you know, that we're all in. And, um, you know, the, each client is different. So it's something new every time. So it still kind of piques my interest, which is really great. So I was really excited to find out that, hey, freelancing actually isn't that bad of a gig for me. So um, before I want you to talk about just how people can find you and, and um, what, how they can work with you. But I'm just curious, are you still, is ADHD still your current deep dive or are you, have you moved on to some other deep, what's your most recent deep dive? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think, I mean, ADHD is one of those like long-term hyper focuses for me where, um, I subscribe to, I think it's ADD attitude mag. Um, and I subscribe to, you know, how to ADHD YouTube channel and, you know, just kind of dabbling here and there. Cause I feel like, and I have some books I'm reading fast minds right now. But yeah, books are great for me. Uh, there's Reddit, there's um, YouTube and Facebook groups. Facebook, Facebook groups have been really great with really figuring out, hey, these people are like me and they run into similar issues. And, you know, it's been very supportive and empowering. Yeah, so my friend who recently got diagnosed, you know, she recently posted a list of things that she's discovered about, you know, being able to stay focused and things that, that don't work for her. Like, for example, um, apps that kind of like shut down your activity on your phone. Mm-hmm. She felt like that was kind of like shameful. So she was like, oh, then that, and that just doesn't help me at all. So she's, she doesn't do it. She figures yeah. out other ways to help keep her productive. And again, it's, you know, it's, we're not all cookie cutter, same, you know, struggles or, you know, same superpowers. We all have to kind of work together to figure out, you know, what, what everyone's coping mechanisms are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, you know, I think there is a lot, um, of nuance between stimulation, which is what we're seeking mm-hmm. and distraction, which is what often ends up happening. Right. Yeah, and like, what are ways in which we can find these stimulation? Yeah. You know, for me specifically with my health coaching, like I do, uh, you know, I offer non-diet related health coaching and I um, work a lot with intuitive eating, but intuitive eating can also be really chaotic Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's so much freedom. And and now I'm realizing that like, yeah, the ADHD brain does not do well with a lot of non-structured eating. You know? So how yeah. can we bring structure back into it, but also have variety and freedom? And so it's the same way with when, um, thinking about like, you know, what we're really looking for is stimulation right. um, that helps us focus like a fidget cube, you know, like there are mm-hmm. things that we do that help us actually focus at the task at hand, like music. Uh, but then there are other things that just take our focus completely away. Right. Well, I think that's also kind of one of the reasons why I've held on to, you know, quote unquote, another job for this long while I've had my business. I've always had either a full-time or a part-time or a freelance job, not only just because of the consistent paycheck, but I think, and this is I, this is just what something I realized this last week, that I do better when faced with a smaller chunk of time to run my business. Um, Mm -hmm. because there have been times where I've had all day, the kids are at school to get stuff done. And I find that I am not nearly as productive. I can't force myself to do it. But for some reason, if I'm like, Oh, I'm going to work at the agency from, you know, eight to 10, for some reason, truncating my day for my business makes me far more productive and I can focus on it instead of having, you know, this whole smorgasbord of time. Or in your case, like when you're coaching people, oh, you have a whole smorgasbord of food. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, the ADHD brain does, I do better in my little compartments, especially, oh, with, remote, especially yeah. with remote learning going on. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Compartment. I, I call them containers. Like, yeah, you know, everything needs its place. <laughs> it kind of reminds me, did you ever watch 30 Rock when, um, when it was on? Uh-huh. There's an episode where Liz Lemon, um, I think she, her and her boyfriend are trying to have a baby. And so she, for some reason, she's able to color code her schedule just perfect and fit everything into all of those little cubes. And then it was like her, it broke her brain in the best way. And she was like so productive and happy. And I was like, that's what I seek is the, all of the buckets to align. And so <laughs> sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. So Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I'm super excited about this podcast just because for me, I mean, I think I learned so much about myself and the world from interviewing and talking to other people. And I think that's also an ADHD quality. It's just like Mm one-on-one conversations um, are so just mentally stimulating and productive. (laughs) 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I didn't realize that interrupting, I've been really trying really hard not to interrupt during this interview. <laughs> because I tend to do that. I tend to interrupt. And it's not a rude thing. I didn't realize it was an ADHD thing. I always felt like I was just this weirdo who just can't keep her mouth shut. And I would get, I would get in trouble at work for that. But no, it's an ADHD thing. And it's just because you want to jump in and you want to interject and and it's a way of relating to that person. And you're not oh. trying to step over them. It's just like, oh, me too. Oh, that me too. Me too. I so. know. Absolutely. I know. I have. That's funny that you say that because I've actually been like really trying to like allow you to finish your sentence before I start writing. <laughs> you know, because I'm, I feel like, you know, with two ADHD women talking about ADHD, like how are we going to keep this to not constantly be interrupting? And oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God. And like my brain going a yeah. million miles a minute. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, oh, what were we talking about? Oh my goodness. Well, I think, and one of those things, I think I did forget to talk about how, I mean, I think I started about how, uh, where people can find me and then I didn't finish it. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think well, we were talking about something else. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, we're almost at the hour. So I want to, I want to, um, keep them within a time container as well. So Absolutely. before we finish, tell it, tell the listeners, uh, where they can find you, how they can work with you and anything else you want to let them know about anything you're currently promoting. Okay. Well, thanks Katie. So yeah, people can find me at marshmuller.com. That is M-A-R-S-H-M-U-E-L-L-E-R.com. Think uh, Marsh like the swamp and Bueller, but with an M for Marshmuller. <laughs> and I have a Patreon where people can get a monthly playlist and they can support me while I still go through treatment. And I have a very small YouTube channel and I also do consulting for email marketing and Shopify or just creative businesses overall. I have um, sessions where people can kind of pick my brain or I can help them with kind of getting unstuck or help with productivity. So that's where you can find me. And I'm on Facebook a lot. So you might see me in a group with ADHDers <sighs> because online friends are real friends. Don't forget that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Yeah, I I actually have three Instagram accounts. One is personal, one is for illustration, and one is uh, my business, Marshmuller. And then um, I'm also on Twitter. And that's where I I tend to tweet a lot about uh, Timbers, Portland Timbers soccer, because that's where a lot of my my friends are in the Timbers Army, (laughs) which is the supporter group. And uh, I only do Pinterest just for like R&D for like sourcing fabrics, because I kind of hate that platform. And I used to dabble in TikTok, but then realized it became way too much of a time suck. So I only go there occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, I have an all or nothing relationship with TikTok. Right? Yeah. I put it it on my phone and then I delete it off my phone. I'm so glad I'm not the only one who does that. Oh my goodness. Well, actually I have it back on my phone right now because I had heard that there were so many great ADHD videos. And so I started following the ADHD um, women hashtag and I was like spending hours hours down that rabbit hole and was like uh um, but I'm gonna save that hashtag to pocket like that's 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 a, ooh, that's another productive thing is pocket it's an app and you can save things for later oh, and I okay. and I actually do and there's a chrome extension and then also you can install it on your phone to where if like you're on twitter or facebook and you see an article where you're like ooh, that'd be really interesting to read but I don't really have time right now like I save a ton to pocket and I actually go back and refer to it and read it Ah, that's, I was going to say, that's that's my problem with all my saved posts. Yeah, so I use Pocket as like, oh, I'm sitting, you know, I'm at a doctor's appointment and I'm just kind of sitting here. Let's, let's you know, dive into an article I've saved on Pocket. And all you right. can do different tags if they're like business related or ADHD related or kid related or what have you. It's, uh, I, I resonate so much more with that app with saving things than I do with apps like Pinterest. All right, well, thanks again, Holly. This has been so, so wonderful. Much, it's been really great chatting with you and getting to know you. There you have it. So thank you so much for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. If you like this podcast, I would really appreciate some feedback. So please leave me a review or simply head on over to Apple Podcasts and give me five stars. Also, please subscribe and make sure to share it to help us reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower. And they may be struggling and they don't even know why. If you are a woman who was recently diagnosed with ADHD and would like to be interviewed as a guest, I would love to interview you, so please reach out to me. 
My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find out all the show notes from this episode at womenandadhd.com slash episodes. And you can follow this podcast on Instagram at womenandadhd. You can also find out more about me and my anti-diet health coaching program at worthitwithkatie.com. Make sure to sign up for your free copy of my Thank You Body Technique. This simple primer teaches you how to reset your mood and improve your relationship with your body quickly and easily through breathing, yoga, and even aromatherapy. Okay, I will see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.